This is the daily lectionary comments for August the 2nd. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. We see David's reaction to to, uh, Goliath, and we get a deeper look into uh, David's heart and his faith. Also, Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 24. Paul, on the uh, who's uh, offering his defense, goes on the offensive. All right, First Samuel chapter seventeen, beginning at verse twenty, we start to get a deeper look uh, into David's character and his heart. The story of David and Goliath, of course, is well loved. Everybody knows the story. Children get the story in in uh, in Sunday school, but want to take a look and see what the story is saying and isn't saying about David. It is talking about David's heart and character. But it is not talking about David as a, a, a champion fighter. It is not talking about his courage to, to take on anything um, and to defeat whatever enemies come his way. The point of this passage is, is to show by David's character and his heart is his absolute allegiance in the God of to the God of Israel and his absolute trust that that God will not abandon him. David understands the nature of the battle, and David understands who's going to win. So, with this knowledge and with this confidence, David acts as he does. So we see, for example, that David is very dismissive of this. Philistine Goliath, he calls him this uncircumcised Philistine um, that's so terrorizing all the other uh, uh, Israelite soldiers, but he is disdainful of him. And he, so he refers to him as this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, now one thing I might make is just a kind of an aside. Um, the Israelites were not the only ones to practice circumcision. For them, circumcision was a sign of the covenant, but there were other uh, Semitic peoples who also practiced circumcision it had nothing to do with any covenant with god uh for them but but it was it's a cultural thing but the philistines were not semitic people and they didn't come from there they they came from someplace else possibly greece or something like that and settled in what became uh the land of the philistines and so uh, these are people that are not only not uh you know the enemies of god like all the other but they're not even related to what there are barbarians coming from the ends of the earth practically so david is being very dismissive he uh he expresses that this philistine is nothing he expresses some disappointment and disapproval in the soldiers of israel this is a young boy or it's a boy not a young boy but but a boy and he's expressing disapproval of the armies of Israel because they seem to be scared by this guy. And, and, uh, and so the implication is you shouldn't be, why am I here pointing out what all of you obviously should know? This Philistine is nothing compared to the armies of the Lord. The Lord is on our side. And this is what draws a rebuke and the anger of Eliab, David's uh, 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 older brother, basically, who are you to come down here and tell us who should, we should be afraid of and who not? That's an amusing a little uh, interplay between uh, between brothers there. Uh, David is completely confident, not that he can beat this guy, but that the Lord will beat this guy. 
he goes before Saul. Saul hears this young guy boasting, and and so so David is brought before Saul. And you might note that Saul doesn't seem to recognize David. Doesn't say, "Hey, you're the guy that plays music for me." Doesn't seem to notice. And this might tell you a little bit something about David's role there. Yes, he did play music for for uh, Saul when Saul would be in one of his fits, and Saul did take him into his court. But there were many others in his court, and we can see that this was not a very personal thing at that time. David will, uh, uh, Saul will later get to know David much, much better and have much more profound uh, feelings, both positive and negative toward David. But at the present time, this is just one of his servants, and he, he doesn't even seem to recognize this is the same guy that's been playing music for Saul. Note how, Saul, uh, how David says and sort of tells um, uh, Saul, I can do this. He starts talking about how, look, I have fought with, with lions and bears and protecting my sheep. I have torn them apart with my bare hands. But his point is not that I am strong enough to do all of this. I can take care of the Philistine. It's that the Lord delivered me out of the hand, out of the paw, it says, of, of the lion and the bear. The Lord will deliver me from this guy also. David's confidence is in uh, the Lord. So uh, David says, it, and when he actually encounters and Saul gives him the go-ahead to go take on Goliath. And when Goliath comes out, of course, he's absolutely uh, uh, disdainful of this this boy coming out to meet him. And he's, you know, giving all this normal, you know, Philistine trash talk. And David, coming back to him, uh, says, look, uh, I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. It's his army that you... Are defying here. Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth. Sabaoth means of hosts or armies. So the armies of God would include the angels and archangels, but here is also including the, the actual physical army of Israel. And, and David's saying, I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he is the one who is going to deliver you into my hand. Uh, and then uh, he, he points out to this Philistine, he says, so that all Israel will know that the Lord saves not with uh, uh, with a spear or 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 the uh, or the sword. Of course, this is a lesson that we have learned over and over again under Moses and throughout the period of Joshua and and Judges. That in fact, uh, the Lord uses all kinds of unique ways uh, to demonstrate that it is not by sword, it is not by the spear, it is not by the legs of a man or the power of a horse but it is the, the power of the Lord our God by which we gain the victory. And David is here to demonstrate this once again and his absolute confidence that the God of Israel will defeat this Philistine. He will even use a boy like me without the normal traditional garb uh, and he will deliver him into my hands so that everybody will know that this battle is the Lord's. It's not our battle, it's the Lord's battle. Boy, that is a lesson that all Christians need to keep in mind when we fight against things that seem to be much stronger than we are. Uh, this battle does not belong to us. The battle is the Lord's and he will win it for us. All right, now Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 24. Remember that Festus, the Roman governor, has been mystified by Paul. He just doesn't understand what this man is talking about. Agrippa, the local uh, Jewish puppet king from Jerusalem, is in town. 
And uh, Festus has asked that he listen to Paul a little bit and help Festus to understand a little bit what was going on, assuming that Agrippa will understand the kinds of things that Paul is talking about. It was an accurate assumption. And so this is where we're at. Paul has been giving a very spirited defense to Agrippa, explaining in great detail um, a lot of the nuances between the various sects of, of the Jews, the various arguments that are being made, the claims that are being made against him, the hope and the resurrection, his confidence in Jesus and all of this. So this in the last lesson, Paul has really been getting into it. And we assume that there is much more to what Paul is saying, even than what was recorded in yesterday's devotion. This devotion begins, however, with Festus uh, in, in a very humorous sort of uh, outburst. Uh, he suddenly, he says, uh, says with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind, which gives us an interesting insight into how the Roman governor was looking at Paul. He clearly did not understand anything that Paul was saying, didn't understand any of these Jewish controversies, didn't understand anything that the Christians were claiming. It was all mystery to him. But he did recognize that Paul was a very erudite, very educated man. This is not the ramblings of a madman, but but he still, as far as Festus is concerned, this is all nonsense. The Romans couldn't care less about any of this, but he does recognize that in Paul we have a very intellectual defense of something that I don't understand. We could do worse as Christians today if we're going to take on the, the uh, intellectual elites of our own age. Look, they're going to see us as out of our minds. They are not going to be impressed. They are not going to, to see our wisdom. But we at least don't want them to see us as uninformed fools. We want them to respect the fact that we know what we're talking about and believe what we're talking about, even if they find it all to be nonsense. Well, anyway, this is what happens here. Now, Paul, <laughs> he immediately goes on the offensive, which is really very funny. He, he says to Agrippa, essentially, he said, uh, King Agrippa, uh, Festus may not understand what I'm talking about, but I know you do. You certainly understand this. You understand the prophets. You believe in them, don't you? I know you do. And, and, of course, Agrippa right away realizes what Paul's trying to do. And he says, would you try to make me a Christian in such a short order? King Agrippa realizes that Paul is being so bold as to trying to convert him. <laughs> of course, uh, Paul says, uh, you know, yes, actually, I would. I wish that you were just like me, except for these chains. Paul refers to his chains a number of times in his, um, in his so-called prison letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, that he wrote while he was there in Caesarea and incarcerated. At any rate, um, uh, it's an amusing little section there. And, uh, and Agrippa then points out, when, when, the, when the hearing is over, Agrippa says to Festus, you know, uh, this man uh, could have been set free, except that he he has appealed to Caesar. So now we've lost jurisdiction. What's interesting is what he's really meaning, Agrippa's really meaning to say to Festus is, you know, this man should have been set free. It's an interesting comment that this Jewish puppet king says to the Romans, um, just like they said to, about Jesus, this man is innocent. Uh, Paul is innocent, should have been set free. All right, tomorrow we'll take up uh, Paul's journey to Rome.